You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Yes, you do, and that's through film and moving image. And this is Showreel for 3CR. And uh, today uh, we're going to hear from a couple of filmmakers about their fantastic films. One is Beck Cole, We Are Still Here, and uh, the other is Craig Borham, his film Lonesome, which is starting at cinemas on the 23rd of February. Uh, But before we do, I'd shout out to all those subscribers out there and all the people who want to be subscribers. If you want to be a subscriber to 3CR, you become a member. You become part of our not just our listening um, family, but in our family much closer up. So $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for band or organisation and $300 solidarity, all cheap at a price for 12 months of listening. And uh, today, because this is a film program, we're able to offer two double passes to the Nova uh, for anybody who rings up during this program, uh, you can ring up on 9419-8377, 9419-8377, and once more, 9419-8377, and if you're ringing from somewhere else, it's an 03 area code. And uh, it's a double pass to the Nova for um, uh, the movie of your choice and it will be sent out to you by mail. So give us a call. Um, but uh, while, while you're here, uh, if you uh, will have a listen to Beck Cole, a chat I had, we are still here. Can you tell me, uh, because this film is a, quite an unusual film because it uh, is quite clearly a big collaboration. Can you, and also it's not just uh, about uh, uh, Australian in, uh, Indigenous experience, but it, it collaborates with uh, Maori, and so it brings us into a much bigger issue, doesn't it? It's about connection to country, but in uh, in a bigger way, right? Yeah, it's largely focused on the impact of colonisation across all, you know, a united group of countries. There's a Samoan group of filmmakers as well in the mix. So I think it's just everyone responding to, you know, their individual sort of experiences, you know, forced by the same sort of power. <laughs> so so what role did you play in this making of this film? Yeah, I um, directed one of the individual chapters called Grog Shop, which is the one set in a grog shop, basically, in Alice Springs. And then my bigger role was I was the montage director. So I came in throughout when the film's being shot, basically, and 
started putting them together in the the order in which they're presented and cutting them up individually and creating the montage basically so yeah I was the one that was sort of responsible for crafting it to the feature that was sort of interweaving the individual stories. Wow so because it that's it isn't it it's it's a very uh complex film uh I mean it deals with complex issues but it's a complex film so tell me um you use uh animation you I mean I'm blown away by uh how these different groups of people came up with the stories that they wanted to contribute and then how it all cohered into a whole film. Um, they're real stories, aren't they? They are, they are. And I think, um, you know, it was it was a true collaboration from inception, like immediately when the filmmakers all came together, we would just had a number of, like I think three really big sort of weeks together basically over the course of a few years just going, okay, what do we want to do? What's the important thing we want to say? If we have one opportunity, which we probably do, and this is it, to ever make a film like this again, how are we going to pack the biggest punch, you know, and, and really help people understand what the experience and ongoing experiences have been like, you know? So I think that people just sort of really grabbed the opportunity and just went, you know what, we're going to give it our all because the film really wasn't made with a very big budget either. So, I think people just sort of went above and beyond to, you know, make the best piece of cinema that they could. So it was done over years, you say? It was. It was. It was because of all of COVID and everything else happened just as um, production had started on a few of them. But um, it was certainly maybe a year and a half from our first sort of meeting through to the last one. So we had two in Australia and one in New Zealand where all the filmmakers came together. And initially we didn't even know whether we were going to do um, a film that sort of interwove the stories. Like initially it was just going to be a series of short films. But I think as we kind of started developing the idea, people were like, you know what, how can we think outside of this square and make it something that's a bit more unique, you know, than just a bunch of short films? Yeah, well, it certainly does that. It's a real piece of art. Um, and I suppose that the overall consciousness, the story of colonisation and its impact um, was the key. So therefore, it was possible for everything to be melded together. Yeah. Well, that was that was um, that was the one sort of thing that you know obviously does is is the glue, right? And then I think when um, Danielle came up with her concept for the animation, which we call Lured. Um, and her idea really helped us form what the rest of the film might be because for those of you who have seen the film, or you know, it's basically a, a mother and a daughter fishing out on scene. Those two characters that come back and, you know, back and forth throughout the, the film as it travels along represent kind of the global Indigenous experience. So it spoke for us. I think it meant that it spoke for everyone around the world. So it wasn't just as part of, you know, no, no, the it's planet. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing piece of work. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that animation's just so delightful. I never ever get sick of seeing it. But Beautiful. also, it, it 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 starts something else, which is it infuses the film with a sen- a different sense of time and gravitas, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It certainly does, and a gentleness and a real feminine energy too. I think. Um, you know, when, when you're sort of talking about the colonial powers and the, the you know, 
the British and all of that sort of stuff. It just feels very masculine. And then I, I just think it's a really gentle way of bringing out, bringing our audience into the story too. You know, I think it's a kind of a simplistic way of, 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 of demonstrating the, the, the impact that that had, you know. You said you had a small budget. I mean, what I'm thinking about on a practical level is how did you all actually get together? I mean, how did that – who set the flame? Um, it was basically uh, Screen Australia and um, Film New Zealand or the New Zealand Film Commission. They um, – a woman called Petty Smallercombe, who was running the Indigenous Department at the time, was super keen to get a sort of collaboration happening with the Māori filmmakers over in New Zealand – and so she was just kind of biding her time and waiting for the right project to pop up. Then lo and behold, uh, suddenly it's like 250 years since Cook circumnavigated Pacific region, right? Yeah. So that, that sort of presented itself as an opportunity to go for some sort of funding, basically, to make, to make a, a film about that. But, but, but of course, it's very quickly... Nobody wanted to make a film about sort of Cook per se. So, of course, it became, well, actually, what's more interesting than that is what about the people that were there originally and, and how did that moment in time alter their experience in life or their, their, their existence, you know? So I just think it was a really sort of um, interesting idea that a group of people had with Screen Australia and the NT Film Commission from the go-get to enable this opportunity for us all to collaborate in this way. There's a whole lot of different times involved in the stories. It, they are all from different places. And one of the things that's interesting is that it doesn't matter that uh, it's not chronological. It's all woven together. I really love that. Yeah, yeah. It was, I know, it was, it was, it was just truly like, I think all the individual filmmaking teams just sort of put their thinking caps on and thought, okay, well, what can we do to, really show quite an expansive kind of cinematic experience speaking to this theme. You know, for my film, for example, I knew that it was probably important that there was a little bit of romance or a bit, little bit of comedy because that's kind of my, you know, that's my sort of thing. Um, and then one of the other filmmakers was like, into, she's into futuristic sort of storytelling. So that's that she came up with that little girl in the future being handed over the, the rites of passage basically from her grandfather, you know, yeah. in, in a world where he thinks, you know, no, nobody's listened to First Nations sort of advice regarding environment and everything's fallen to shit for want of a better expression. So it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a, such an interesting way of speaking to bigger things too. Oh, and the one that really sticks out for me, uh, well, a lot of them do, but the one about the um, guy uh, at um, Anzac, that is just such an eye-opener when he um, meets the Turk. And, I mean, yeah. people, people have to go and see the film to know what I mean, but it, it's such a high yeah. point in the film. It's so fantastic. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. That's why I said these must be real stories. These have really happened to people. Oh yeah, a lot of it is absolutely based in 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 tr true historical events, and I mean the one with the haka is literally the first haka that's been recorded, and the people that are in that film, it's you, you you when you see the film, you know it. It's this amazing community of people, and they're speaking to, you know, tribes basically ha having conflict within them with amongst themselves regarding ways they're going to deal with the, the British sort of invasion. They dance a haka, and it's like the first haka. 
but the people that are in the film are actually the community that own that that first Huckard story, you know. So I think the film has such authenticity, um, so much authenticity, you know, and I think that's the beautiful thing that comes with Indigenous storytelling, you know, that, that you have to do it the right way to tell the right story. So Actually, when you bring up the Haka, it really brought out the um, technical excellence or skills of the people who made the film too. There was this amazing uh, movement in that those shots of the Haka where the, the expressions on people's faces really stood out. It was quite amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, they and well, I think that that's um, they're not actors; they're just the, the community that 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 own that dance and that song, you know, that particular haka. So uh, it's just a bit of brave sort of casting too, you know, to not always have actors, but to say, all right, you've got, you know, as a community, you've got an opportunity to record this in this sort of cinematic way. Are you up for it? And you know, they that community did. They had to slaughter a big cow like everything was done like you know what we could say sort of proper way you know so um yeah i think are you a 3cr subscriber we really need our listeners to subscribe to the station call 03-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe yeah that's right Become a subscriber. If you're listening to the show, uh, mention Showreel and uh, you'd be in for a double pass to the Nova. Um, $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for band or organisation, $300 solidarity. And that number is 94198377. Uh, you can also do this online. Uh, this uh, ensures the um, strength of our community radio station, 3CR. We've just been listening to Beck Cole. She was um, part of the team that made We Are Still Here. And I can't um, talk it up enough. It's uh, a grand film. It's an absolutely grand film. And it talks to the Indigenous experience of um, uh, colonisation uh, from their perspective, and it, it's Australian uh, and across the Pacific. It's a collaboration, and it's a very fine film. Um, we're going to move on to another very fine film. This is Lonesome. It's made by filmmaker Craig Borham, and it's going to be shown in uh, cinemas from February the 23rd. I loved your film. I thought it was the most amazing film uh, Arthur, thank you. That's that's good to hear. Because <laughs> yeah. what you're doing is uh, telling us a story about a person that we may not normally know. I mean, uh, watching the first part of it as it introduces us in, it could almost be America. It took me a while to work out, except for the trees, that it was actually are. Australian. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a clever filmmaker. Um, oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me about your themes, because that's obviously you've uh, done a lot of short films and uh, they've been highly praised and you've won awards and you've had uh, screenings, uh, whole screenings of your shorts in, you know, places like Spain and whatever. But um, it says that you like to explore marginalised sexuality and the politics of desire, which is just a great way of describing it, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess a lot of my work deals with with those themes. I'm kind of really drawn to characters that sit in the cracks um, a lot of the time and 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 have cracks in their own you know masks. I I, I love that. I love I love exploring that um, that. Yeah, the masks people wear in the world to to sort of survive, and then and then what happens when when those cracks form, or when you start to see under the surface. You know, that that stuff's really really fun for me and, and exciting, and it's, it's super fun playing with actors, finding that stuff as well. I mean, you obviously are playing with actors. You obviously really get the most out of these people. Yeah, it's a process. It's something I really enjoy. I really I really love working with actors and finding the things that they bring to it that, that you don't expect. I mean, I think when I'm casting, that's, that's often what I'm looking for is like someone, someone who's, who surprises me with my own writing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's always interesting because they, they bring a lot. Like they are, they are real, real collaborators on, on telling the story and they, and they, they need to, they need to connect to it, you know, to, to get a good, good performance, good truthful performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they have to be fully invested, especially in this film. Um, yeah. I mean, the story is one thing, because what I thought was, oh, my God, this is like a film that someone who's made, that the time has come where you're allowed to make the film you want to make. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, because of the way we made it as well, we made it very independently. And, um, you know, I guess we were sitting around a lot during lockdowns and really wanting to do something. So, you know, when we came together me and the other producers and started talking about what we wanted to do it was it was like well we're going to make this very indie film we should just go for it just talk and do the things that we really want to do and not be restricted by you know the usual processes of um of, of developing a script you know you have a lot of eyes on scripts when and when you're going for larger investors and and going through the screen organizations but um this this was very freeing this process in lots of ways so we were able to, to push it push it a little harder yeah yeah well but what really intrigued me about the film i have to say is the film making um i love this thing that you do i've seen it in a couple of films like karamish does it it's, it's about uh parallels you you walk you make them walk across parallels in straight lines and we get to see them on the side I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in terms of the like, the look, the, the framing. The, yeah, the yeah, framing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I've yeah. been clumsy, and because you do no, it in, yeah. with such precision, I'm being clumsy when I describe it. No, I get what you're talking. About. Yeah, we we talked a lot about how because we were shooting it quite quite quickly, and we were, we were between lockdowns, so we had to be pretty concise with the way we shot it. And I spent a lot of time talking with Dean Francis, who is the cinematographer. But Dean Dean's a director in his own right, so so you know we have a long history of, of um, creatively collaborating together. So we had a really good shorthand, and and we wanted to like bring in bring in some of the imagery of of classic American westerns, you know, as as well. And so this and putting it in a very urban environment a very sydney environment so we played with that a, a little bit and a lot of those big tableau shots kind of reference those kind of images but also um but also we wanted to do a bit of a nod to, to queer and camp cinema so we had this really saturated 
colour palette and um, and, and and some pretty pretty heightened moments in the film as well. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. But uh, so that takes me into the other thing, which is because you're the writer and director, this exploration of gay iconography—that's yeah. like the hat. Yeah, <laughs> no, cowboys, eh? Well, I love yeah, cowboys. Yeah, yeah. But you're being very, uh, in, uh, I suppose it's provocative, but it's, all, it's interrogating. Is that right? It got, yeah, it is. It's, it's, I mean, I guess it's looking at, um, it's looking at the, way, the way gay men wear masculinity in lots of ways. And, and, you know, a lot of that is about... It can be performative, you know, and and you know, creating these images of of maskedness that are that are maybe not not that real, but 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 they're definitely worn like a uniform. And I think I think the cowboy is, is such an iconic image. I don't, I, don't, I, I you know, I come I come from uh, my my family comes from country country, and and those those kind of images have always been very really strong for me, like Western influence. Um, is, is strong in rural Australia, you know. So, so that they were they were kind of ideas that I'd I'd wanted to play with for for a long time. But they but they you meld them to within the vulnerability of these characters. Like um, one of them is almost inarticulate, but the yeah. other yeah, and that's important. But also the other one who is a uh, is a burning light of um, care, really. Yeah, they were they were such fun fun characters to play with together because they really they really smash up against each other quite hard. Tim Tim as a character, the city city lad is, yeah. is much more outgoing and much more, I guess, comfortable in their skin and, and has to be, you know, for their own survival in the city. And and Casey, played by Josh Slavery, is um is much more buttoned up and is carrying 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 a carrying a burden, carrying a, carrying a secret. <laughs> and they, um, they have a beautiful, a beautiful energy together. I think, I think the, the, the friction of those two types lands nicely. Well, this is part of the reason for why it's such a complicated and interesting feature, um, because you are obviously a person who knows how to tell a story, and you, you know, we've got the secret, which is important because it's not just the secret, because we all like a bit of gossip, don't we? <laughs> um, but it's also about, but it's also about um, the inner workings of uh, uh, his character, um, the emotional. Uh, element that's also running parallel. So we've got, you know, that's happening. Um, but also, uh, ultimately, it's about respecting himself and uh, rather than just seeing himself as a piece of rubbish, right? Yeah, that's kind of the journey for, for Casey, really. Like yeah. It's, it's um, facing up to this stuff that's happened in the past and, and, build, and building a way through it, I guess. But I, I, but I like... Um, I, I, lo- I love the way you're saying about the the, the lack of speaking from Casey. A lot, a lot of he's a very silent character, and, and a lot of the the story moments that happen between them happen in silence, and they happen really subtly through these through these performances from these two actors who are, who are great, um, Josh Lavery and Daniel Gabriel. They, they did a fantastic job, and that that was something we played with quite a lot. It was kind of like you know 
they're in a room talking about one thing, but you know something else is happening under the surface, and you only know that from from the from the, the looks that they give each other or the or the, the energy between them, which is which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, how long did the film take to make? Uh, we shot it over. It was very quick. It was. I think we shot it in four weeks. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a miracle shoot. Really, we came out of lockdown. We shot the film, and then we went straight back into another lockdown. So it was like mm-hmm. really good, really good timing. But uh, but it was tricky because of all of that. Because pandemic was raging, and, and we did a lot of the um, rehearsal, initial rehearsal stuff via Zoom because Josh Josh was based in Melbourne, Daniel was in Sydney. Um, in the weeks leading up to it, but they didn't really meet each other until. Well, I think three weeks before shooting, and then we got into got into rehearsing with them. And a lot of that rehearsing was just about, you know, building the connection between them and and playing with physicality stuff because a lot of the the, the traits of those characters are are in their bodies, are in the way that they move, or yeah. in, in the way that they talk. So it was playing with that stuff. I mean, um, some people might find the uh, gay sex scenes confronting, but it's uh, part of the whole fabric, an important part of the fabric. But is it hard to actually choreograph all that, or, or is there some secret that you have to make it so real? <laughs> I mean, the secret is having a really fantastic intimacy coordinator, actually. <laughs> I think we had we had um, Leah Pelenkoff, who worked with all the sex scenes um, and the actors, um, and she was brilliant, and she's a lesbian, so she understood that you know we're, we're portraying queer sex on screen, and it, and it's different, and has different energy, and wanted it to look you know quite quite real and and enticing. I mean, a big part of the tone of the film is is that world is is that world of sex and hookup culture, yeah. and, and we want we wanted it to to be you know you feel feel like you're in amongst it rather than the way a lot of queer films avoid it and, you know, pan away to a tree or yeah. pull focus to something in the background so you don't see any of that stuff. But we didn't want that with this film. We wanted we wanted to very much be amongst it. But it was um yeah, it was it was it was challenging for the actors until we went through this process with Leah and then and then everyone felt really safe and comfortable and it, it sort of became really quite easy once they were very rehearsed and they were Everyone knew exactly what was going to be seen on screen, and we talked through all of that process. It's, it's important that everyone feels safe when you're doing those scenes because they are potentially quite confronting. Yeah, but it was. Uh, and we'll leave this, uh, it there because uh, we're coming to the end of the program. Uh, coming up next is published or not. We've just been speaking to Craig Borum about his fantastic film Lonesome. I, I did tell him that um, I'm expecting him to become uh, a major. A world director. He's a real. It's this is a very fine film. Uh, it opens in cinemas February the twenty third. But of course, we've had uh, two very fine films on today. We are still here and lonesome. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, and we'll go out with Sydney After Dark. Pretty lights and shiny things You think you're depressed But it's probably just Too much coffee in your tea Too much caffeine in your dreams Cars will drive too mad and fast Up and down King Street They don't understand where I'm coming from It's 
50k zone, but they're taking over me. Flash my lights, but they got no control, no control, no control. Pretty lights and shiny things, and Sydney's such a pretty thing. I'm waiting for the lights to change, and thinking I should move away. Cars will drive too mad and fast up and down King Street. Better understand where I'm coming from. They all got their dates and petrol station meetings. Plan to start naked under fluoros, and who knows? Who knows? Weather balloon. Said so. It's it's so. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.